Hello, I'm Emily Bellet, founder of Basspod, author of You're Not Broke, You're Pretty Rich, and you're listening to The Wallet. Every week, we give you the best tips, guidance, and a good dose of inspiration and motivation to manage your money better. Today, we're talking about financial planning. There are myriad of reasons why a lot of people don't work with financial advisors or planners. It's maybe too costly, they think they may not need an advisor, or they want to do it themselves. They maybe can't find an advisor, or they can't find someone that they actually trust. Whether you need financial advice will depend on a number of factors. This is what we're discussing with Cathy Harrison today. She's the CEO of The Verve Group, and her mission is to provide support services to financial planners around the UK, and hopefully that will help you understand more about financial planning and financial advice. The stress of buying a house can feel overwhelming and very time-consuming. There are so many things to consider, and you definitely don't want to miss anything or get it wrong. Moneybox have helped hundreds of thousands save for their first homes with their market-leading lifetime ISA. You'll also be relieved to find out that Moneybox now offers a free mortgage advice service that supports you from your first steps to your doorstep. They cover everything from finding and securing the right mortgage all the way until your completion. A dedicated case manager will help you manage all the admin between solicitors, lenders and estate agents, making your home buying experience all the more stress-free. Please note your home could be repossessed if you do not keep up repayment on your mortgage. A government LISA withdrawal charge may apply. Remember that we are not certified financial advisors. Information shared in this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute financial advice. So for anyone who's looking for a financial advisor, what are like the different steps in the research and sort of like vetting or select selection process? I think it varies massively depending on the kind of advice that you're looking for. Um, obviously, a big what what it used to be was you would start to do some research online. You would look for a financial advisor that is near you and um, geographically close to you, so that you could go in and see them. And clearly, post pandemic that's changed massively and a lot of financial advice businesses are now set up not only to um, work with clients remotely if they have to but they are proactively making that their their business plan they want to work with clients all around the UK which is great because it gives a lot more possibilities to the end the end clients um, so I would still start with some research. I think if you know somebody who has used an advisor and is really happy with them, that's always a great place to start. I think referrals, again, because it's such a personal industry, are really key. Um, but it's like with anything, just because they're right for your friend doesn't mean that they'd be right for you. It just will kind of come down to your face. Um most advisors now, you'll get a good feel for them and their niche. On their website, it'll tell you if they are remote working, um, if they are kind of focused on a particular type of client, type of demographic. There's ones who are very focused on the younger generation and making advice accessible for them and not waiting until you've accumulated six figures um, of funds to be invested. Um, and on those sites as well, I think if, I, if it was me doing my research, I'd be looking for ones that are kind of quite open around their fees. I've got really good client testimonials and um, that's very kind of up to date and that they just make it easy for you to engage with because financial advice firms are going through a revolution themselves as every industry is everywhere right now. Um, and part of that is exactly this, like trying to work out how how to make it easier for people engaging with finance for the first time to do so. And it doesn't mean 
you know, calling during work hours or finding time out of your day to go and sit in their offices. It's all about making it um, much more accessible. So, yeah, I would start asking around. I'd start doing some research. Don't be afraid to talk to them. Financial advisors literally are in this job because they love speaking to people. They will all give you some of their time for free just at the outset to find out if there's a good relationship fit fit there and I would I would start with that as your focus and do you need to look for I mean there's different types of advisors IFA independent financial advisors restricted advisors who can help you just on one category so maybe just your mortgage or your pension um any certifications I should look for when selecting my advisor or my planner I am possibly not going to say what financial advisors would want me to say here. Um, but I personally, I would say no, there's a minimum standard of qualification that all regulated financial advisors have to achieve um, in order to be advisors. So, you know, they'll have that anyway. The advice industry is very heavily regulated and there are a lot of requirements on advisors, rightly, because of the importance of it. Um, and they include keeping all of their knowledge up to date each year. They have to do a lot of ongoing testing, a lot of ongoing continuous personal development, professional development. So many advisors will then go down um, additional routes and get higher level qualifications. I've done all of those qualifications myself. They are they're good to do. Absolutely. But that doesn't mean just because somebody hasn't got them that they're not a good advisor. Advice will typically focus on a single area, um, as you mentioned. So it could be, let's just concentrate on your retirement planning. Let's concentrate on your investments. A financial planner will typically be much more holistic. They'll take a step back and say, let's help you create a plan for your life overall. And then we'll work backwards almost to what advice you need to meet that plan. Um, and again, there's no right or wrong. It comes down to you as a client, where you are in your life, what you need. Um, and most advisors or planners will have chosen one of those as their business model and they'll have the qualifications that will reflect that. So it's um, it's that diversity. There's a range. There's not a single right answer. If there was, I would tell you which website to go to to get it. It very much comes down to how much do you, you need right now? How much do you think you need? What are the areas that are causing you um, concern, I guess? Um, and a good advisor or planner you might go in and say, you know, okay, I think I've got some money on deposit and I think I need to invest it because I'm worried about inflation. Um, any good advisor or planner will say, that's great. And yes, we can invest it. But first, let's have a little chat. Let's just get a broader picture of your circumstances. Because the thing that's keeping you awake at night right now mightn't actually be the thing that should be keeping you awake. They might help identify other areas that you just you haven't even realised. So yeah, I think there's not a set qualification. I think it's just been really clear on what it is that you want to talk about and then being open with whoever you end up working with about your circumstances so that they can identify if there's anything else that has been missed. Can you uh, give me some indication in terms of cost? I know it's really hard because there's such a big range, but I guess there's a difference between planning and advice um, there's different ways of charging clients. I just want to make sure that people who start working with advisors, they have this red flag numbers where it's like, mm, that sounds too high. Or how do you recognize something is actually fair? It is obviously a bit of a case of how long's a piece of string because with a financial advisor, as with a accountant or a solicitor, they'll all have their own charging structure and that is right to them and their business and the service that they offer. Um, and 
I've done this analogy before of almost you could buy a white T-shirt and you could buy a white T-shirt for £10 or you could buy a white T-shirt for £100. They're both white T-shirts. Different people will get different value. Some will be quite happy with a £10 one and not need more. Um, some would rather pay the £100 and hopefully get kind of um, more use out of it for a longer time frame and they would feel a different value to it. I think the key thing with advisors is that a lot of the regulation around advice is that advisors are completely open and transparent at the outset and entirely throughout regarding their fees. Um, Pre-2012, that didn't happen. Things, The advice that they gave and the products that were recommended, it was all bundled up and it was quite difficult to unpick which bit went to which part of the advice chain. Now, any advisor should be able to say to you, on average, my fees would be, and it'll either be a fixed fee at the outset or a percentage if you were looking to invest an amount. Um, so if you have, I don't know, £10,000 to invest, I would normally charge either a fixed fee of blah or this percent, and this percent will equate to blah, and they should always convert that into pounds so that you understand it and you're not kind of getting bamboozled with percentages um and if there's any ongoing advice so if they if you're going to build a relationship with them and they're going to um, meet with you once or twice a year and keep kind of giving ongoing advice then there'll be an ongoing fee as well which again is very normal but it should always be disclosed up front they'll give you a um a client agreement which will detail what their standard charges are. So you could go to three or four or five advice firms and get these standard terms of business, client agreements. They'll give you an indication of what their average fees are. Um, and then that way you're going into it kind of very um, eyes open. And that's on you as the client to decide if you think it's value for money. Just like if I saw one solicitor who said they charge £50 an hour and one said they charge £300 an hour, but that they can be quicker. That's on me to make that call as to what's what's right for me. Um, so, yeah, absolutely feel confident to say, can I have a client agreement? Can I have an indication of your charges? Have that conversation with a few different firms. Ask them, what value do I get for paying those fees? Um, and then you'll have a range of options and you decide which one it is that feels right for you. And when you, so let's say you have a selection of a few planners or advisors, you call them, you're happy with the fees, you start working with, um, with one of them. Also, the first meeting, I think we most, with most of them, this like fact finding meeting is going to be f like a free consultation. So should people take one or two of these, these meetings with different advisors? Most advisors will do a free initial consultation. They won't go too deep into the fact finding. That would normally come once you've actually signed up to kind of work together. Um, but at that initial meeting, it is very much around why are you looking for advice? What areas is it that you're thinking of? They'll tell you a little bit about themselves um, maybe a bit about how their business works and the type of service they offer. So absolutely, those initial meetings, um, I have a couple with them because, or have some with a, a few different, because again, yes, you can have a look at fees, um, but this relationship and this, Um, this fit between you and the firm, you'll only be able to actually feel by by sitting with them, you know, whether in real life or or on Zoom. Um, and then, yes, once you've made that decision, then you would typically sign up with somebody and then you would get into your, your sort of official first meeting, which is the fact finder one. And that's the one where they are going to start to drill down into a lot more detail about you and your goals and your dreams, because ultimately that's what financial advice should be for. It should be to um, help you achieve the things that you want to achieve in life. And money is the enabler to get there, but obviously money is not what it's all about. Um, so a good fact-finding meeting will 
find the fact about you, which is going to be the dry stuff, um, you know, your, your date of birth, your salary, your current assets, but it's also going to be what we call the soft facts. So um, the interesting stuff, the exciting stuff, what it is that you want to do, what we think it is that's stopping you from getting there, and then you start to pull a plan together to, to take you from A to B. And I found these uh, initial meetings quite stressful, actually, because if you never had any money conversation, the first meeting you have your advisor with a pen and paper, <laughs> this like, you know, all this paperwork and you go like, do you have any debt? Do you have any, you know, what's your income? How much is your partner earning? What are your assets and stuff? So there's a little bit of preparation maybe to get into these first meetings. There is, and again, this is something I was saying about um, the way that advice is evolving and that a lot of advisors are looking at how they make that a very different client journey because absolutely, your first meeting, sitting down, you imparting all this information, have you prepared for it? Um, do you know all of these answers off the top of your head? Is the advisor getting any real value from it? No, they need this information, obviously, to be able to give good advice and to make sure that they're taking account of all the important taxes and so on. But it's not where the value is to either side of it. So a lot of um, advice firms are now looking at ways of streamlining this. So actually, once you've agreed to start working together, they many now have apps. So actually, you can kind of go into the app and within the app, it'll say, give us this information. So what's your um, what's your salary? What's your date of birth, um, you choose whether or not you want that advice about just yourself or yourself and your partner. And then obviously you're filling it in in your own time. You've got the time to ask your partner if they're involved. You've got the time to go and dig through pension statements or whatever it might be. And the advisor will then have that information to hand already. So the first time you sit down together, you're just talking about the good stuff. You're just starting to talk about the things everybody really, really wants to talk about. So not every not everybody's there yet. It's obviously about embracing the technology. It's about changing existing business models. But it's it's a good example of one of the ways that advice is starting to um, use tech to catch up with the times a little bit. And um, quite rightly so, if your experience is that it's you know quite a, a daunting and um, not particularly exciting experience. <laughs> Um, it's getting better. That's good to know. <laughs> Get worse. Yeah, and, it, and it's. I guess it's uh, saving a lot of time also for for advisors. And then, what should I expect once you know I had this meeting? I filled up all my information and stuff. Do I expect to receive like a plan, uh, maybe on an app or a PDF? Oh, it's gonna. Yeah, it's gonna vary massively from client to client. Um, Typically, there'll be some sort of plan. It could be that it's the overall financial plan of your kind of entire goals for your whole life. That could include um, what we call cash flow, which is where you'll get kind of a, a visual graph showing your cash flow for the whole rest of your life. You know, when your income drops off once you reach retirement, but when your pension kicks in, how your expenses might change. Um at the other end would be what we call the actual advice. So that's where you would get a suitability report. And what that aims to do is explain exactly what is happening, um, what is being recommended. Suitability reports are, um, I'm smiling because my business has produced suitability reports for financial advisors for 13 years. And they are still such a, they're a source of tension because the purpose of them is to help the client understand the advice to know exactly what's going to happen, what's being recommended, where it's being invested, what it's going to cost them. But because of the depths of regulation, quite often these reports end up being 
15, 20, yeah. 30 pages long. And then actually nobody wants to read that. <laughs> and so literally our job for the last, you know, more than a decade has been getting all this important regulatory information into a report, but putting the, the stuff that the client cares about right at the front and saying, even if you only read pages one, two, and three, that's enough. If you really want to dig into it, you can, all the rest of it's there. Um, but make sure you actually understand what's being recommended. And again, whatever you get, the key to a really good um, advisor-client relationship is is feeling confident and knowing that you can ask questions. Even if you think, I'm sure they've explained this to me already face-to-face, and now they've written in a, it in a report, but I'm just struggling, I'm just not getting my head around it. That is absolutely fine. It's ask them, ask the advisor's success is measured not on monetary terms, but on how well that client understands what is being recommended and they're happy with it. So always, always, if you get all this documentation and you think, I'm, I think I understand it, but some bits just don't quite make sense, um, always ask your advisor and they will be more than happy to explain it. A question I often get is, how much money do I need to be working with um, with an advisor? It's just changing massively. It did used to be a very traditional industry. People would, and still, because of the variety, you will get some advice firms who'll say, we'll only work with clients if they've got £100,000 available to invest, for example. At the other end of the scale, you've got some uh, um, advice firms who have been set up more recently very deliberately to help clients get um, up and running with advice at a much earlier point in their lives, those advisors will have set their business up from scratch using all the best available technology, all the most efficient systems. And for that reason, their costs will be lower. And because of that, they can work with clients of a much um, like lower investable assets. Um, sometimes it's not even having any investable assets. You mentioned it could be mortgage, it could be understanding protection, um, kind of what life insurance you need. Um, it could be just going and getting a plan and they say to you right now, um, what you need to focus on is just build up your emergency fund, um, screw a little bit extra away, put some life cover in place and then do nothing but come back to me in five years time yeah. unless anything substantial changes um, and we'll deal with it then. So yes, some firms will have a minimum investable assets in terms of generally going and getting advice. There isn't a minimum. It's just finding the business that's right for you. How do you feel about your own finances <laughs> and, and what is money for you? I feel okay about my finances now, but um, yeah, it's taken me a long time to kind of get to this stage. I left uni with loads of debt. I um, bought a house in a flat in 2007, which still now in 2022, so 15 years later, is still worth less than I paid wow. for it because it just immediately crashed, you know, two months after I bought it. Um, it then spent, gosh, 10 years in negative equity. So I physically couldn't even remortgage it. I just had to sit on a standard variable rate of 6% while everybody else was paying 025 um, so I've made all of the mistakes when it comes to finance. Um, and actually, we've we've got a podcast, um, one of my colleagues and myself. And through that, it's made me, we, we would talk about it and we would joke about the fact that I still hadn't got around to put my life cover in place or getting any critical illness. But actually, joking aside, I would think, you know, I've got a five-year-old, I, I need to go and do this. And um, then we joked about the fact that I didn't have a will, so I went and got a will in place. So it's kind of... Um, 
we always say people assume that if you work in finance, you've got you, you've got your act together. Um, I turned 40 in a few months and I'm only just close to getting my act together. So. <laughs> and I've worked in finance my whole life. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Wallet. Be sure to share this show with your friends and subscribe on your favorite platform. Please also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It only takes a few seconds, but it helps more people find our show. Join us again next Thursday for another episode of The Wallet.